Welcome to Stemming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha, a podcast for and about women of color in STEM. These women are brave, beautiful, and brilliant. Their stories deserve and need to be heard. Their voice strong, their message clear, their experiences priceless. Now let's welcome this wonderful winning woman of color to the show. Hi, and welcome to Stimming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha. And of course, as we do with every episode, I have an amazing, amazing guest today, and I'm really, um, really quite stoked to be talking to her. Um, our guest today is Blanche Anderson, and I can't even wait to hear her STEM story. But first, I want to say, hi, Blanche, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. You know, it's... Uh, it's a day of the week. Yes. Yes. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. We are doing what we are doing. So um, I'm in a place where I'm just glad to that I still enjoy doing what I do. Um, so every day above ground is, is a good day. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So as we start every show, Blanche, tell us your STEM story. Okay. Um I would say that I've kind of always been, um, I guess, interested into electronics and that type of thing. Um, I can't remember the exact age when I started, but I do remember watching. Um, um, I'm from the generation of like Lion King and Little Mermaid and all that stuff. And I always remember thinking that I would like to be a part of a the group that actually um, animates the characters and make it move and that type of thing. So I always said I was going to join like a gaming uh, a team or something like that. That never happened, but that's okay. Um, yeah. But I do remember early on in um, in uh, junior college, I actually put together my first PC. So I just was reading up on different things, trying to figure out how does it work, trial and error. And I ended up putting together my first uh, PC. And that was the PC that I used all throughout junior college. Wow. <laughs> and then, um, I actually, when I went on to um, um, my uh, transfer to another university, I actually brought that PC home for my parents to use. And um, I think just from then, I, I've always had an in, um, interest in just putting things together. How do things work, especially um, electronics and just problem solving and, and putting pieces together? Now, I found out later that, of course, all the pieces I put together probably weren't the best pieces. But, hey, it worked. I so it worked. Yeah. So, and it got me through school. So, so I kept with that. And um, I, I do remember before declaring my, my major talking to my dad, because neither one of my parents went to college, but my dad was like, well, whatever you choose, he said, you either choose uh, the health industry or you choose something in technology. Cause he said, those two things are always needed. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll choose something in the, the technology arena. And um, when I first went off to school, I thought I was going to do engineering. Mm -hmm. um, I had uh, two aunts that were electrical engineers. And so my mom was always like, you know, hey, be that self-sufficient uh, black woman, get the get the best career, make the best money. So be an engineer. And um, I, I think the school that I was going to, they didn't necessarily have an engineering program. And so I actually jumped into what they I think at the time was called computer information systems. And uh, that didn't work out too well for me. It was. <laughs> 
No. It was uh, it was more business because I think this it was CIS. It was more business stuff and more mm-hmm. law. I remember I took accounting and I'm I love math and I'm really good at math. I failed. I think I failed accounting. I failed mm-hmm. this business law class and I'm like, okay, clearly I'm in the wrong area. This is not for me. And so someone else recommended computer science. And so I was like, well, I do like math. They're like, if you like math, you should try it. And so sure enough, I got into uh, computer science and and started moving towards that direction. I enjoyed the math classes, um, enjoyed my my instructors. Now, uh, the first programming class that I ever took, I did not do so well. Mm. What language? What, what Was it a language class? Yeah, yeah, it was C. Oh, it was C. Yeah, yeah, it was C. Um, and And what had happened was, it wasn't that I wasn't understanding like the concept because I was very good at problem solving and putting things together, but I couldn't understand the instructor. Mm. Um, and so I, I went to him and I'm like, you know, I'm really struggling. He was like, well, maybe maybe this major isn't for you. Maybe you need to find something else. And I'm like, OK, I'm not going to change my major again. He's right. like, well, let me see your notes. And so he's looking on my notes. He's like, what are you writing here? What is this? And I'm like, oh, that's error. Uh, no, I put it was arrow. And I said, Oh, this is this is error, arrow, arrow, arrow. And he goes, Well, what does arrow mean? He's like, Well, that's what I said. Well, that's what you're saying in class. No, he goes, No, this is error, like mistake. <laughs> and so at that point, I'm, I knew that I was like, Okay, if I'm going to give this another shot, let me just try another instructor. And from then mm-hmm. on, um, I was like, Okay, I can do this. I just need to make sure I'm in a you know place where I where I understand. And right. so with with I guess with him saying, you know, maybe this isn't for you, I guess I kind of started to believe that. But I'm glad I actually took another, you know, took another opportunity to get into it. And once I got with instructors that I could understand and then I just kind of kind of took oh. off from there. Yeah, man, I, I love this story so, so much. Um, so first off, um, my dad um, always said to me to find the thing you love to do um, and then find a way to make money at it. Yep. So I was that kid who was always breaking up stuff. So, <laughs> you know, cause I'm always trying to figure out how it works. I yeah. always just, how, how does this thing do what it's supposed to do? Yeah. So, so me becoming a mechanical engineer was like, Oh, right. Of course. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that, that he gave you that advice and that you took it. Um, I when you were talking about um, being a CIS and taking your your programming language, I had to take C. C is hard. It's hard. It is. It is. It, it, it's not intuitive. It is. It's just not. And I dare someone, probably a C expert, to tell me otherwise, like for real. Well, they have them that'll vouch for it. But yeah, it, it was hard to kind of start off with. Now, I was glad that I, so I think the um, a couple of years prior, I think you had to start with COBOL. Yeah. But the year I came and they they started with with C. Mm-hmm. But you're right; it's not an easy language to kind of just jump into it and and take off. So yeah. I, I just, I mean, it's just not. It's it's y'all. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't not. let them fool you. Yeah. Uh, are they teaching? Do you know uh, if they teach? Are they teaching C still? You know what? The last I had spoke to someone, I forgot what the I don't think they teach C. I forget what the entry language is now, but I don't think Mm -hmm. it's C anymore. Um, I couldn't tell you what it is now, but I know when I when I went and started undergrad, that was they had just 
ended COBOL and they say, okay, no, you're not going to start with COBOL. You actually start with C. C. So. Oh, well, so then you get through college and you have found, you found your thing, right? You found, like, I know that this is the, the thing. What was your, what was your, like, your first, first job? So oddly enough, I'm still at my first, first job. So I, when I graduated um, with my computer science degree, I think it was around, um, it was right where Y2K had just happened. So everybody was kind of freaking out, you know, everything's going to shut down Y2K or whatever. And yeah. so I actually went to grad school. Um, I started my graduate degree in um, applied mathematics after six years of being in Missouri, surprisingly, I got homesick, moved back home to Texas. Oh, wow. And so I finished my um, graduate de degree at TCU. And so I just told my parents, hey, I'll just, you know, be home for a while. And I'm going to looking for some odd end job because I didn't think I could get hired being a computer science major mm -hmm. after all this. And so um, I put my resume on monster.com. I don't know if people still use monster.com. <laughs> But I put my resume on monster.com and there was a lady named Jane Glancy. I'll never forget her name. Um, she, and it's, it's, it's in, I don't know if you're, if, if uh, what your faith is like, but when I tell you, like when the pieces come together, God really knows how to put the pieces together. So Jane Glancy sung, was a member of a church. She sung in the choir with a gentleman by the name of Ray Martin, who was the CEO of this company. And he was looking for a computer programmer to kind of help with their actuarial department. And so she was like, I know I don't, she didn't specialize in IT. She's like, I know I don't specialize in your area, but do you mind if I pass your resume on to this gentleman? I'm like, yeah, you know, not thinking that I was going to get it or anything. And like a week later, I had an interview set up uh, with the company that I am in now. And um, when I did the interview, I thought the interview was horrible. I'm like, there's no way they're going to hire me. You know, just, just, you know, doubting myself. I'm thinking I'm going to get a, just a regular, you know, nine to five job or whatever. And as I was driving home from Dallas, they called me and they're like, hey, can you start next week? So within two weeks of me moving back home, Ooh. yeah, they hired me on the job. And as of June, yeah, after as of June this year, I've been with the company for 16 years whoa so yeah so when That's I tell funny. people that they're like you're in IT and I'm like yeah you've been there 16 years you're like nobody stays and I you know in the same job for 16 years you normally hop and get better right. opportunities but they've treated me well so I've been uh, there I think oh, I, I want to say this is just what people need to hear because mm -hmm. that is the norm within IT is like you stay somewhere what year year and a half 18 months right right two years you out of there Right out of there, you've gone to the next best thing, next right. best company, next next best opportunity. Um, that's just that's the way the industry has set itself up to be. But IT is also, I want to say IT. I'll say information technology because IT has when you say you know you shorten it, it's sort of yeah, it's like this one thing. But your industry and field is so broad. Yeah. Um, do you specialize or you are a generalist? I would say a generalist because when mm -hmm. I got to the company, the language that they coded in was a language called um, RPG, 
which is mm-hmm. very old language, even though there's a lot of companies that still use, um, I think it, the, the, I think it's called uh, the I-Series, IBM developed it. It's still a great system. There's a lot of large companies that still use it. They just don't teach the language in school. Mm-hmm. So I had to um, kind of learn that. And over the years, I kind of learned how to code an RPG. And it was easier than free, uh, than not free. It was easier C. than C. Yes, a lot easier than C, mm-hmm. even though it was much older. So I learned how to code in that. And then um, when I started working with the actuaries, it was more of like gathering uh, lots of data, take all the mm-hmm. data and then push it out in a way that they could um, consume it and do whatever they wanted to do with that. So I started working a lot more with um, just SQL. And oh, okay. um, here recently, I've been dabbling in a little bit of C Sharp and a little mm-hmm. bit of uh, PHP, just depending on what the needs are. But my job mostly consists of here's all this data. We need you to massage it, spit it out, get it back to us so that we can do what we so, do. So I love this for so many different reasons. Okay. Because this sounds like you've gone from, you know, I use that in in terms, hold on just one minute. Okay. So it sounds like you've gone from um, sort of like in from straight IT into sort of data science, right? Mm-hmm. Data mining, data analytics kind of thing, um, which, which I say is really interesting because this is the way that I feel like a lot of jobs are going because they just yeah. don't report it, right? And it's, and it's, it's not that people don't have data. It's like people don't know what to do with your data. Exactly. They don't know how to extract it and make sense of it all. And so having someone or someone's on your staff that will be able to disseminate that information in a way that you can get, whether that's visually or you're the person who like just likes the numbers, exactly. or the letters or the, you know, all of the things, right? It's just, you have to have somebody on your team who can do that. Work. Exactly. Exactly. Especially uh, for actuarial and accounting, especially for those two groups. So yeah. That's another thing I really want to, um, really want to, well, if you can kind of explain what an actuary is, it's, it's an unusual term that I don't think a lot of people know is the thing. Like it's a, it's, it's a thing. It's a whole career. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what is an actuary? So in, in layman's terms, basically what an actuary does is they determine based off of all of this data and information, um, they determine the risk that is involved in producing, whether that is a product or like I work in life and health. And so they determine, um, you know, what's the probability that a male age 35, who's very healthy, what's the probability that they're going to live and how long, what's probably they're going to die. They normally help develop the products. So for example, we sell like life insurance and we have supplemental health products, and then they kind of price it and they say, what's a good price point. And if, if you have all these people that are going to die or get sick, how much is going to cost us out of pocket? So they do all this analysis based off of the numbers you give them. And then they help set pricing on products so that you can still be profitable, but still give, you know, put a good product out there for people. Now, I know for property, property and casualty insurance, like uh, your car insurance and your um, house insurance and all that, you have actuaries that do that too. Um, I remember uh, an internship I did where I was studying um, white pumpkins in Florida and they wanted to say, okay, based on this data, and this was for farmers, big, they was, it was, they provided insurance for farmers and they're like, well, what are all the perils and disease that white pumpkin, white pumpkins can get? What's the chances of them getting that disease? And if they lose 
half of their, you know, uh, let's say they have 400 and they lose 200. How much do we have to pay out? How much are we going to charge them for that insurance? So it's very neat that that whole field and, and what what they can do based off of just you give them the right data, give them the right numbers, and then they help determine that risk. Very smart people, too. Very smart people. But I know. I, I Well, I know. Two. <laughs> um, I mean, seriously, I know two. I, yeah. I feel blessed um, to have them have them in my circle. Um, and here's the thing. It's like, I don't know a person who's an actuary who like talks about their job. Right. Just yeah. Sort of, you know, I don't I don't they don't necessarily do that, but they are like risk managers. Like, yeah, they know how to to ferret out the, the things. Yeah. And to do that, I just feel like your mind has to go in places and you have to be able to understand data and risk analysis and, and all the all the things in a way that like is just it's mind-blowing and baffling to me, but in a good, good way. Like I'm yeah. like, I'm glad that there are people out here that have this particular skill who can think this way. Um, it's what they do is amazing. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. feel like your piece of the puzzle is just as big because you know, you're the one who provides them with all that, all the information they need. Yep. And it and it it helps them. And it's not that they can't do it, because I think I've worked with a few actuaries who are starting to get into SQL and learning how to pull their their data and everything. But I know in the past actuaries I've worked with, it's like they're teaching me kind of what they do and why they need it, because they'll have you code something. and You're like, well, why are you doing that? So it's almost like you're exchanging. It's like, I'll give you this code if you tell, you know, tell me what it's for. And so they'll literally explain like this is why you're looking at this and this is why we're dividing these numbers. And when you see this final number, that's the number that we use to determine, you know, how much we want to sell this product for. And it's, it's amazing. It, it really. So like you said, right now is the time where there's so much data out there that they actually need people to pull that data together, make it look the way they need it and push it out so people can make those decisions. So I've got a question for you. And I was just thinking because it hasn't been too long ago mm-hmm. within what, what would you say the last five to seven years where like there's been this really huge, big push for like big data, for data yeah. in general. Why do you think that has happened? I wish I knew. I think it, it's almost like it seems like someone realized that all of this data actually provided information. I think at, cause I'm, I'm pretty sure the data has always been there. It's not like we've never right. had tons of data because right. you have all these companies that, of course, have always used it. I think now with um, social media and with everybody spending most of their time online, just giving information and having people that actually understand, oh, this information is powerful. I think people are just starting to catch on like, hey, if you just look at these numbers or at least get somebody that can, you know, massage the numbers the way you want to see it. Information is powerful. And, it, you know, it's always been powerful. Um, Now, whether they use that for good or bad, I think we're seeing that a lot now. (laughs) Yes. But I think the data has the data has always been there. Data totally has always been there. The information has always been there. I think people are just now getting smart to, hey, this information actually means something and I can use it yeah. this way or use it that way. So see now, I think I mean I think you're right. Well, I mean, you are definitely right. Information is powerful. Um, 
and and there are people who are using they're using that power for good for good and for bad. Yes. Um, I think it's really I think I think there is there has been a switch that has been turned on where people are like, we have data, but we haven't used it in a way that would benefit us, right? True. And that literally is good, bad, or indifferent, right? True. It's not True. that companies don't collect data. And we're talking everywhere from you know, our schools to like, you know, the big tech companies. Absolutely. Like they, they always have data. Schools have always had data. Absolutely. Um, it, but it, I really do feel, though, that like having someone in there that can interpret it, that can bring it to you or give it to you in a way in which it is visually understandable mm-hmm. and, and and written in a way in which you can you can regurgitate the data. Yeah. It, is the is like that small piece, that small little switch is the thing that I think has been missing the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's 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 like, you know, I think I think of school systems because I, I mean I've been in education for a while. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they're always collecting information about our kids. They're always, always. Um, and then you see, but then when you see it, it's like stacks of paper on top of film. Oh, what? What am I supposed to do with this, right? Yeah. But now I, you you go to the school system website and they have these um, um they have the you know nice little data websites where you mm-hmm. can click on and you can see what's happening in this this class. You can yep. see last year the test scores were up and this year that you know all of that stuff. Like you would have had to mine that data yourself. And who, as a layperson, was going to do that? Tough, tough. Yeah, because I, I worked for my mom um, uh, when I was an intern for in help desk and her job was to actually take all of the paper, start scanning that information, typing it in, start scanning because a lot of like you said, we've been collecting information for years, but who in their right mind wants to sit and, right. you know, all that. But now that they have it, they're like, oh, this is gold. What can yeah, I do? Right. With this? Mm-hmm. It's so sweet. It is. It is so so sweet. I love this. So I think, like I said, I think I told you earlier. I think you're a unicorn because <laughs> you're, you're still at this first, the first company that you, um, that you, you know, you're still at the first company. Yeah. Um, I think that's so special. It just doesn't. It just it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't. And we were a private company and um, uh, Mr. Ellard was the the name of the owner and he was, you know, down south uh, gentleman, real nice. Um, so it was it was it was a family atmosphere. So I guess it was easy to stay this long. Now, we've recently been brought out, uh, purchased mm-hmm. by a public company. So we're growing and expanding. And I mean, so far, we're still here. Um you never know what the future holds. You kind of hope that it, you know, that it stays that way. But as as um, I'm learning is that once you kind of go public and the bigger you get, you kind of lose that family atmosphere. So I'm pretty sure a lot of that will change and will will officially become a corporate company. But I mean, as of right now, it's still it's still kind of little has that little family feel or whatever. So it's, it's still it's still good for right now. Now, are you guys working from home? Um, two days a week I work from home and then three days I'm traveling into the office. So they're, I think they're testing out this hybrid schedule just to see how it fits, you know, everybody's needs. Yeah. Um, Well, that's good to know. I mean, I think there's been, there's been another whole push of, you know, coming back to the office for a lot of people. Um, 
even though we were quite efficient from working from home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially with being a, a developer, you, you just give me my computer. And as long as I can get to the data, you can pretty much do that from wherever. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think that that's one of the lovely parts of it. So, okay, I have another, this is a kind of a personal question. Okay. <laughs> because, no, because I have been really thinking about taking some coding classes, right? Yeah. So, like, I, you know, was really, I took, I took a, um, I took a beginning Python class a while okay. ago. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I was just like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know. But then I saw the ones that that Google was offering, and then there's a couple of um, there's just a couple of other ones that are out there that are inexpensive enough for me to be mm-hmm. like, oh, wait, let me let me get in at least, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but I don't want to. I want to. I want it to make sense, right? I'm mm-hmm. not. <clears throat> I'm not a coder. I'm not a. You know, I don't have that background. But I really, I want to make sure that what I'm doing makes sense, right? Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And and that it's not something that is over, you know, sort of over my head. So gotcha. it's just right for my level. So like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't think I'm a beginner, but I'm not an expert. So I'm somewhere gotcha. in this middle. So if you could give me advice on like where to start on what, like maybe there's a language I can take or, you know, you think I should start, start here and then move to whatever's after that. Mm-hmm. I would greatly appreciate it. I can, I can tell you what I've been looking into. Um, one of the developers that, that I know um, uh, he's from Florida and he said, if you really want to make some money, he said, C sharp is the way to go. Interesting. Okay. But if you talk to uh, some Java people, they're going to say, no. <laughs> yes. You know, JavaScript is the way to go. I think it depends on, I guess, what what it is that you want to do. I know for me, since I'm um, since I work a lot with data mining and that type of thing and getting stuff out, there's a language out there called R. Yeah. That's for stats. Now, so I wanted to look into that. Mm-hmm. I definitely also wanted to look into Python. Mm-hmm. And, um, just because it seems like everywhere that's being used a lot, um, popular language. And then I also wanted to look into C sharp because it's like, hey, you can work from anywhere and make some good money and it's and it's cool and it's fun. Do it. So I know those are my three is R, uh, Python and C sharp. So, so that's so funny. It's like um, my daughter, my daughter is uh, she's a uh, senior at a. Uh, at UGA. Okay. Um, and she had <laughs> she had this course. It was a psychology course, psychology research course, and they had to they had to do some research and, and sort of analyze some data. Yeah. And they had used R. Totally freaked her out. She was like, nobody oh, wow. told me I had to code anything. And nobody <laughs> told me I had to do. She was so and and I so when I look at it, I'm like, this is not this is not like I don't understand why. I think it was the whole idea that she had to, you know, she felt like she had to be a computer programmer. Right. And like, you know, no, this doesn't look like that. So R hasn't made my list or didn't make my list until you said that. And I was like, you know, I could probably start there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Python class wasn't bad at all. I, thought I heard Python's a lot of fun. So it it was it yeah. was fun. It was it was to me, surprisingly fun because I just, I don't know what I was expecting. And maybe I had that same mind thought and main mindset. Yeah. Uh, but 
But when I took it, I was like, oh, I think I can do this. So, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might I might continue down that pathway. Um, but Java has always been an interest of mine. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it just about- depends on which way. Um, it just depends on which way you go. I'm I'm a behind the scenes type of girl. So anything that's pulling data out and you know, I'm I'm not big on the, you know, doing the web pages and making, I don't care if it's dark blue, light blue, and is this pretty? I'm yeah. like, look, what what information do you want? So that's the languages I type try to stick to is what's the what's the information you want? And then I leave all the pretty stuff to the Listen, I promise you, I totally get it. Um <laughs> okay, so I have a couple of more questions for you. Okay. Um, one, if people are looking for you, so like, you know, they are interested, they want to, maybe they want to pick your brain about like, you know, computer languages or more information about data science or more information about the company you work for. Mm-hmm. Um, where can they find you? You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I have not been on Facebook much. Uh, I do dabble on Instagram. Um, since I'm in school, I've been trying to limit how much I'm on social media so I can get this, um, get my, get my studies done, but I'm definitely on LinkedIn. So you can, you can search for Blanche Anderson and I should come up. My, my profile's public. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, so you guys go and look her up and uh, become a connection and, and see what she's doing and support her and she'll, well, well, she'll support you. Absolutely. So my last question that I ask every guest on the show is the following. If you could go back, if you could travel back through time and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give her and why? If I could go back and talk to my younger self, I would tell her to um, take more chances. Um, I would tell her to get thick skin quick. Mm. And... Um, and the phrase of, you know, the, the song by Indy Irie that I am not my hair. I know I always felt like since I was in um, kind of not real geeky, but since I was in that arena that I didn't quite fit the um, the black girl look or whatever. Mm-hmm. And being in uh, just being a developer and just what I've learned, I think it's so cool. And you don't have to be a geek. You don't have to, you know, have your hair sticking up and all you do is, you know, read comics. You can be a normal person that loves to solve problems, that loves to just dig into the data and still be beautiful and still be fly and still, you know, want to do, you know, you don't have to have the personality of a paper cup. You can have a personality <laughs> and still, you know, be be a developer. So I, I, that that's what I would tell myself is, is just do you. And if that's what you like to do, do that and then be that, you know, just, just be who, be who you want to be and not, not try to fit that mold. I love that so, so much. Um, I was talking to another person the other day and she said, um, you do not have the luxury of being, uh, any, anyone else. Yeah. We must be ourselves. So I, I hear what you're saying and I'm like, man, I hope some young listener out there really takes that in and, and ingest, ingests that yeah. and, and starts to live their life, you know, being exactly who they, who they are. 
Yeah. Yeah. And we're getting more representation. I know um, since I've been on LinkedIn, I've been purposely looking for more women in STEM. And that's that's how I came across your page. And yeah. you got Dr. Barry and, and yeah. Dr. Nikki Washington. And it's like there are beautiful, brilliant, you know, fly women out there that aren't, you know, wearing a white, you know, white trench coat and looking like Albert Einstein. Like like there are there are women out there that are really we are really doing this thing. And I wish I wish we could just see more of that. So young girls can say, yeah, STEM is cool. STEM is you can you can do that and still you know, you can, you can have, you can have both. You don't have to fit the mold of what you think, you know, being an IT is or a developer is, or a data scientist is like, it's, it's just a title, but you can still be yourself. Yeah. I love that. Love everything about that. (laughs) Um, All right, you guys. So um, that concludes today's episode of Stimming and Stilettos. I know that you, she, you know, Blanche dropped some really good nuggets in here. So I know that you guys are going to walk away um, with some little pieces and things that you can tuck away and you can bring them out when, when you, when you need them. Thank you, Blanche. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. All right, you guys, um, as I end the show, as I do every time I end the show, please take care of yourselves and keep yourselves safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stemming and Stilettos. Please check out the show notes to get additional information about today's guest or today's topic. You can find the podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find additional information about Dr. Tasha at www.drtasha.com. Thanks again, and don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for the latest episode of Stemming and Stilettos.